And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nora, brilliant. Thank you so, so much. If you were here uh, last week, uh, last week when we looked at Romans chapter five, we've been sort of working our way through bits of Romans that talk about love. Uh, last week, if you like, we were answering the question, um, how are you loved by God? How are you loved by God? How was the question? And, and if you like, the answer at its simplest was this, uh, how are we loved by God? Well, God, he proves his love for you at the cross and God pours out his love for you through the Spirit. So we looked at the objective facts and the subjective experience, looked at the work of the Son and the work of the Spirit. We looked at what God has done on the cross and what God is doing in our hearts. And together, that is how God shows his love to each one of us. That's how. But in this sense today, as we come to look at this passage that Nora's just read for us, the end of chapter eight, I wanna ask a slightly different question. Not how, not how are you loved by God, but rather, how much? How much are you loved by God? How much? So let's pray, and then we'll look at that passage together, okay? Lord God, we pray very simply that you would teach us how much uh, we're loved by you. Would you do that by the power of your spirit as we look at your word? And we pray that that same spirit, he would be at work in each one of us, transforming each one of us in response to your great love for us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, um, for all our children, one of um, the sort of their favorite stories as a toddler was the toddler classic, this one, uh, some of you will know it, Guess How Much I Love You. And if you don't know the story, let me just uh, give you, it's, uh, you've got uh, little nut brown hair and big nut brown hair, you can see them there in the photo. Um, and it's a very simple story. I love you 
as much as this, says Little Nut Brown Hair, as Little Nut Brown Hair stretches out his arms as wide as they could go. And Big Nut Brown Hair says to his son, Little Nut Brown Hair, well, I love you as much as this, and stretches out his hands, which obviously can go a lot further. So Little Nut Brown Hair thinks again, how can I show how much and sort of outlove my uh, dad? And he says, well, I love you as high as I can hop. And Big Nut Brown Hair says, well, I love you as high as I can hop. And he hops far higher. And so throughout the day, the story goes on and on like that. I won't tell you the whole story. But basically, with Little Nut Brown Hair trying to work out how can he finally work out a way of outloving his dad. And he finally thinks he's got it. And as he nestles down to sleep at the end of the day, uh, he nestles down in the grass or whatever it is. And he says to his dad, he says to Big Nut Brown Hair, he says, I love you right up to the moon. Oh, that is far, said Big Nut Brown Hair. That really is far. And Big Nut Brown Hair then bends over to kiss goodnight uh, to Little Nut Brown Hair. And he gives him a little kiss on the nose. And then he, he whispers in his ear. And he whispers in his ear, I love you right up to the moon. And back. And all around the world, contented toddlers sigh a contented sigh as they think how loved I am by my big nut brown parents. And they settle down to an unadulterated, uninterrupted 12-hour sleep. <laughs> or not. Today, what I want us to see is to see how much our Heavenly Father, God, loves you. How much does he love you? I want us to see, is it to the moon and back or how far is it? How much is it? How much does God love you? And first of all, the way I want to try and answer that is to say, let's think about what it means to say God's love is perfect. What does it mean to say God's love is perfect? Just think about any, any relationship at all, any relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's two family members, whether it's a, a marriage, whether it's a romantic relationship, any relationship, to make it a flourishing relationship, it needs to be full of four A's. Here are the four A's it needs to be full of any relationship, appreciation, acceptance, affection, and approval. And the implication of these verses at the end of Romans 8 is that God's love provides each one of us with those four things perfectly. First, appreciation. We all long, don't we? We all long to be appreciated. We all long to be understood for someone to get us, to get us to say, yeah, that's who you are. Yet, what do we do? We fear if anyone gets too close. We fear if anyone gets too close. If, if they knew me, warts and all, and I do have a few warts, then they'd recall and they wouldn't want to love us anymore. Yet, what we discover in verses 29 and 30 that you can see up there on the screen, we discover, first of all, that God foreknew us. He foreknew us. So God has always known us. He knows all about us inside and out. And the amazing thing is he knows us all about us, all our warts and everything, and yet God still loves us. And the proof that God still loves us, despite knowing all about us, is if you like this chain reaction in these two verses, because it says, having foreknown us, warts and all, he still predestined us, then he called us, then he justified us, then he glorified us. His appreciation of us is such that on foreknowing us, he has looked for us to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Verse 29, you'll see, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
So God's sort of a bit like an, an antique dealer buying a beaten up old bit of furniture and then God's lovingly restoring us because he appreciates us so much, like that bit of furniture. And he is, if you like, he's making each one of us more and more the best version of ourselves. Appreciation. God's perfect appreciation for you and me. Second, acceptance. The truth is, we will all, every single one of us, we'll have faced rejection at some point or other in our lives. Whether it's being turned down for a job or being kicked out of a job, whether it's the person we thought that was a sort of growing friend who's no longer interested in us, whether it's the love of our life who's just dumped us. Um, rejection is when other people say to us, you're not enough. You don't make the grade. And yet, what does verse 31 tell us about God? It tells us in the face of rejection, it says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Each one of us, we have perfect divine acceptance in the face of imperfect human rejection. God says to us, he says, I love you. He says, I am for you. Other people, they may have rejected us in all sorts of ways, but there is one who certainly loves you, your, if you like, big nut brown father in heaven. He loves you. Third, affection. I don't know about you, but I'll be honest, there are limits to my affection for others. I think uh, when I was writing this, I thought immediately of uh, uh, the time when we were driving down to Cornwall uh, as a family for our summer holiday last year. Uh, there are six of us in our family, and we're all in our one car. We don't have any roof box or anything. So there we were, no spare cubic centimeter of space whatsoever. We had a surfboard in there. We had all our luggage. We had everything. Everyone scrammed into this car, and we're driving down to Cornwall, and we're halfway down, and suddenly there's a cry from the back from one of our children. I've got a tummy ache. It's okay. Doesn't matter. Be quiet. We'll get there, and then you'll feel fine once we're out of the car. I've got a tummy ache. Be quiet. And then suddenly it happened, an eruption from the back, and vomit everywhere. Everywhere, all over the child, all over their hair, all over the clothes that were beneath their feet, all over the luggage, all over the sibling next door to them. It was pandemonium. You know how it is. It, it, it looks rough. It smells even rougher. It was horrendous. Um, I stopped the car, got the child out, and there are tears, the screeching. That's just me. Uh, and... <laughs> And then the dreaded call comes to me and Susanna. I want a cuddle, give me a cuddle. <laughs> I won't tell you how I replied, but uh, let me say this. Uh, I said last week, the essence of love is giving. Giving what the other person is wanting, and I wouldn't even give a cuddle to my child because of their vomit. I wouldn't. But how different is our Father in heaven? Look at verse 32. Look at his affection towards us. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? It's an argument from the greater to the lesser. If God can give up his infinitely precious son to death on a cross, well, of course, he will give you anything and everything else that you need. God shows each one of us perfect affection. I love this quote from Jim Packer. He says this. He's writing about this, this 
verse of the Bible. He says, the meaning of he will give us all things can be put thus. One day we shall see that nothing, literally nothing that could have increased our eternal happiness has been denied us and that nothing, literally nothing that could have reduced that happiness has been left with us. And then fourth, approval, approval. Some of you will know back in Romans chapter three, it says all of us, we all fall short of the glory of God. And so it'd be totally right, totally just, totally fair, because we all fall short of God's glory, it'd be totally right, just, and fair for God to say to you, for God to say to me, to say to us, I disapprove of you. You haven't met my perfect standards. You are justly condemned. That would be just right and fair of God. And yet God doesn't do that to those in Jesus Christ. Look at the next two verses. Verse 33, Paul writes, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So if you're sitting here today, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, please would you know that your judge, your judge has died in your place to take your condemnation on himself. You are justified by him. It is just as if I'd never sinned. There is no charge against you, says God's word. There is no charge. And Jesus Christ, what does it say? It says he's now risen at the end of the verse. It says he's risen, he's back in heaven and his very presence in heaven is a constant reminder to the Father to forgive every sin because he has paid for every sin on the cross. You are approved. God's love for you, God's love for me, it is a perfect appreciation, acceptance, affection, and approval, because God loves us not just to the moon and back, but God loves us to the cross and back. For at the cross, the one who should be perfectly appreciated was totally misunderstood. The one who deserved to be totally accepted was totally rejected. The one who ought to receive perfect affection was totally ridiculed. And the one who should have had perfect approval, he was beaten, he was stripped, and he was hung on a cross, totally condemned. All that because of his love for you. How much does he love you? He loves you to the cross and back. Secondly, more briefly, God's love, it's not just perfect, but God's love, it is permanent. Because quite frankly, it is not much use, God's love to be perfect, but if it's only temporary, it only lasts a little while. Now, God's love, it needs to be permanent forever if it is gonna be perfect uh, picture, if you would, something that happened 10, 10 years ago. Helen Skelton, uh, she was the Blue Peter presenter at the time. She tightrope walked across Battersea Power Station before it's got its, it got its new mega makeover. My youngest two children, just a couple of days ago, they were watching this clip of Helen Skelton doing her tightrope walking across Battersea Power Station. Uh, it was in a, a program that sort of had the top 10 challenges ever conducted by Blue Peter presenters. It was a fantastic program. You should definitely watch it if you haven't. Now, Helen Skelton... Uh, on that tightrope, okay? Just picture her, you can see her up there. I wanna ask you, is that an image 
of each one of us. Are we, as it were, are we on the tightrope of God's love? Is, is God's love, is it a sort of very precarious thing and all sorts of things could knock us off and make us be separated from God's love? You know, when, when suffering comes, when struggle, when hardship comes, does that mean that God doesn't actually really love us? You know, is it like the sort of, the, the, the wind is blowing us off in the face of difficult circumstances and we're suddenly disconnected from God's love when we struggle? Or, or if we sin, or, or, or if we if we stuff up in some way, or if we doubt God, does that knock us off? Does God say, well, I won't love you now if you're like that? Or what about the work of the devil? Or what about when we die? Is our connection to God's love actually very precarious, very temporary, very uncertain? We can so easily fall off and be separated from God's love. Is God's love like that tightrope that we're walking on? Or is there a different story? Now, please don't get me wrong as I say this. Walking across Battersea Power Station, high up on a tightrope, would be super, super scary. I mean, I get scared just going up a stepladder. So, I mean, I, would be, I could never do it. I am seriously impressed by Helen Skelton. It is incredible. But what made it a whole lot less scary for Helen Skelton was the fact that she was clipped on to a wire above her. She was clipped onto that wire, and that holding to that wire, that clip there, that was totally and utterly secure. You can see it there in the photo. So that if she fell off the bottom wire, if she fell off the tightrope, she fell off it, she'd still be attached to the top wire, and then she could just put her feet back onto the bottom wire and carry on shuffling along. Nothing could separate Helen Skelton from that top wire. Now the question here is, which wire, the bottom one that she's walking on, or that top one. Which wire best represents the love of God for you and me? Is it the bottom wire that we might regularly fall off from, get separated from, or is the, it the top wire that no matter what Helen did, she would never be separated from? Well, look at how Paul continues, verse 35. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pretty clear, isn't it? God's love for us is like that top wire. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, even if we slip off the bottom rope, even if we face tough times as, as we sort of shuffle along the bottom wire, as we go through life, even as we go through death, we can stay connected to God's love. We stay connected to that top wire. Nothing separates us. So guess how much God loves you? Not just to the cross and back, but also God loves you to eternity and back. God's love, it is perfect and it is permanent. That's how much God loves you. And really, as I finish over the next 
seven or so minutes, I want to apply that amazing truth of how much God loves us to each one of us. Now, that is absolutely loads that I could say, but I think the biggest two applications are this. Because God loves us so much, because he loves us perfectly and permanently, I think it encourages each one of us to do two things in response. Here are the two things. Firstly, it encourages us to connect to God's love, to connect to this amazingly huge love that he has for us. Encourage us to connect to God's love. And then secondly, encourage us to be a conduit of God's love. And next week, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the second of those two applications, being a conduit of God's love. You see, all God's perfect and permanent love for us, it's proved at the cross, it's poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's, it, that happens and it's not just sort of for our own benefit. It's not just you or I, it's not just we're a container of God's love and, and that's it. We just say, oh, it's very nice that he loves us and we don't know anything about it. It's not that we're a container of God's love. But we are to be a conduit of God's love. We are to love others as Jesus Christ first loved us. We are to be a conduit of that love. I mean, the Bible tells us, the Bible says God is love. So God, he sets the terms on love. And that means that we are called to love, not just people like us, or, or, or just, we're not just called to, to love people that like us, but we are to love our enemies. We are to love those people that think differently from us. We are to love those people who are different to us, whether that's socioeconomically, ethnically, uh, different sexual orientation, different intellectual capability, whatever it might be, we are to love others, all others. Uh, and Natalie, next week, she's going to be helping us to think through that idea of being a conduit of God's love as we look at the next bit, Romans 12, in our morning services. But also, I just want to say this, that next week, you've probably, many of you, seen in the media, next week is the, is, is the next meeting of General Synod, which is the, if you like, the government of the Church of England, which we're part of. And there's a, a big debate that's coming up next week that's going to be happening about how Christians should express their sexuality. And basically the question is, do we stick with the original Christian teaching through the centuries across the globe that marriage is between one man and one woman and that that is the God-ordained context for sexual intimacy? Or do we change that teaching? And I guess my prayer for next week, for this time at General Synod, is that above all, people can remember this in the debate, that God is love. That God is the source of love. So he sets the terms on how that love is expressed. We don't set the terms, both in romantic relationships, but also in terms of how that whole debate next week is conducted between lots of people who passionately hold very different views. And I'm going to be praying, and I'd love you to pray too, that that debate would be loving. That people would love each other, even people who think very differently. Please pray for that. And that's why next Sunday, as, as well as Natalie speaking on Romans 12 in the morning services, I'm also going to be speaking just for a few minutes, giving a few comments about whatever happens uh, next week at General Synod. Uh, and sort of giving a, a few comments, hopefully, that will be just helpful for us to understand what is going on, which, truth be told, is something that is a pretty complex situation. So that's what's going to be happening in the morning services. And then next week in the evening service, at the 5.30 service, I've asked someone called David Bennett 
uh, to come and speak to us as a church. And David's written a book uh, which is called A War of Loves. And the subtitle of his book sort of summarizes what the book's about. The subtitle of David Bennett's book is The Unexpected Story of a Gay Activist Discovering Jesus. Okay, he's going to be coming and he's going to be sharing something of his own story. He's going to be talking, as the, the title of his book might suggest, A War of Loves. He's going to be talking about God's love. He's going to be talking about God's love, the, the, the way that God's love impacts, how he looks to express love, how he looks to be a conduit of God's love. So I just want to encourage us all, in addition to coming to this service, or even for some maybe instead of coming to this service, why not think about coming to the 5.30 p.m. service as well uh, next Sunday to listen to David and what he has to say, or listen to it online uh, afterwards as well. But let me finish. I realize that's a sort of biggish topic. I'm about to give you another biggish topic. That was sort of the second application. So what does it look like for us to be a conduit of God's love, okay? But I said the first application of God's huge love for each one of us, not just being a conduit of God's love, but it's also, because God loves us so much, that encourages us to want to be connected to God's love. Take that tightrope analogy again. God's perfect, God's permanent love for us. That is the top rope. But every single one of us here, every single person in this world has a choice whether to clip ourselves into that top rope or not. Whether we want to be connected to God's love throughout life, throughout death, throughout eternity as we walk along the bottom rope, the tight rope of life. And it is only as we choose to clip ourselves into that top rope, it's only as we choose to connect ourselves to God's love by connecting ourselves to Jesus Christ that we can experience the wonder of God's love for us in all its fullness. If you look just up on the screen again at the final verse again of our passage, it says, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's only in Jesus that we get this experience. And that touches on, I think, probably the toughest and the biggest question of all that people have about God's love. It'll be a question that many of us here have about God's love. And many people in the world have about God's love. And, and you know, I wonder whether to mention it because it's quite a big topic I've already talked about some other big topics too, but I just thought, actually, I think it is worthwhile. I think the biggest question that people often ask about God's love is this. How can a loving God allow people to go to hell? It's one of the biggest questions. Rebecca McLaughlin, she's written a fantastic book called Confronting Christianity. And she calls this the hardest question to answer of all. She says, every other question pales in comparison. And I can't be able to begin to give a, a full answer now, but I, I think the main point is this. God longs for everyone to avoid hell because he loves everyone so much. We've seen that, haven't we? We've seen how huge God's love is for us. It's to the cross and back. It is to eternity and back. And not only does God not want people to face that awful future separate from him, but God has done something about it. He has done everything possible so that you and I might not have to face that future. 
So to experience hell, you and I have to trample over the cross of Christ. We have to say, I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with this proof of God's love for me in paying the punishment that I deserve. God doesn't sort of send people to hell. Now, God lays down his life in front of each one of us, and we have to deliberately, willfully choose to trample over him, disregarding what he has lovingly done for each one of us on the cross. And the tragedy is that so many people do just that. They disregard God's love proved for us at the cross. I'm reminded of how at a, at a jeweler, which is not a place I go to regularly, um, but at a, at a jeweler, and, and they're showing you a diamond. Uh, they show you the diamond on a black cloth. They show you the diamond on a black cloth so that the diamond shines and sparkles all the brighter. And it is when we think of this black backdrop of hell that the wonder and the majesty of God's love, it shines all the brighter. It is to the cross and back. It is to eternity and back. That is how much God loves us. And so please, as I close, can I urge anyone here today if you have not yet responded to God's love for you, today, would you clip yourself into his love? Would you connect yourself to his love, that top rope, as you place your trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for you? And you know, as you do that, then you can walk through the tightrope of life knowing that whatever might happen, even if you slip, even when you slip, that ultimately everything will be okay because you are connected eternally to that top line, to God's perfect and permanent love. You see, as soon as, as any person connects yourself to God's love, from that moment on, you will be able to say with full confidence, that I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there is nothing more wonderful than being able to say that for yourself.